This episode of the Local Hustlers podcast is brought to you by Audible. If you're listening to this podcast right now, then I'm going to assume that you would also enjoy listening to audiobooks. Whether you're interested in business, history, comedy, science fiction, or romance, Audible has thousands of titles for you to choose from. We want you to try out Audible for free, so if you head to our link, you'll get a 30-day free trial and a free book. So go to audibletrial.com slash localhustlerspodcast to redeem your trial today. Again, that's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, trial.com slash localhustlerspodcast. You're listening to the Local Hustlers Podcast, East Valley Locals. Get connected with small businesses near you and dive deep into their stories, mindset, and motives. Entrepreneurs everywhere. Get ready to be inspired by business owners, entrepreneurs, and hustlers that you can relate to and learn from. And now, your hosts, Dallin Huso and Ridge Waldberg. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Local Hustlers podcast. This week, we're super excited to be here with Rebecca Goldman of Taking the Wheel Consulting. How's it going, Rebecca? Great. Thanks for having me. Glad I'm really excited you. to be here. Yeah. 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 No, we're excited to have you too. Um, let's take a couple minutes before we go into your business. Give us, give us a little bit of a background on your life. Sure. So I'm originally from Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved out to Arizona about um, 13 years ago, um, basically for sunshine. And that was it. Yeah, no job, no friends, just, I was sick of being cold. Um, but I've been in the food and beverage industry for 20 years, um, and built my career in the industry, um, kind of starting from, you know, a bakery clerk. And I eventually went to culinary school. I got my degree in pastry arts Um, and then just kind of worked my way around in bakeries and restaurants and, um, catering companies and, you know, pretty much did it all (laughs) along the way. So always been surrounded by food in some way or another. Yeah. Well, I started cooking at a really, really young age. Uh I think I was like eight or nine. Um, and I just started cooking for my family kind of out of necessity. My dad worked a lot. Um, you know, he always had like three jobs and so I took on that role and then I realized I'm kind of good at this, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask where the passion came from. So it kind of came naturally out of a necessity, something you were doing all the time. Yeah. I mean, I had, um, two brothers and, um, you know, it was just one of those things where we all had to kind of contribute. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I started cooking and then I, you know, started just kind of, you know, messing around with tons of different recipes. And before I knew it, I think I was a sophomore in high school when I enrolled in culinary school. Yeah. I just knew this really? was it. Wow. Yep. I, and I had like a full ride too. I could have gone anywhere, really? become a doctor. Sometimes I think about that. I'm like, maybe <laughs> I should have, <laughs> maybe I should have yeah. done that. But I knew, I knew really young that this is what I wanted to do. Okay. So. Well, talk to us about culinary school. I didn't know that that's something that you could, could start in so young. Well, no, I enrolled when I was a sophomore, um, but I still finished high school and then went on. Yep. Mm -hmm. But you can enroll super early. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they let me do it. So (laughs) the, I went to the Le Cordon Bleu in Pittsburgh. Uh Um, That's one of the top schools, right? It, at the time, yeah, it was the it was the top school. I actually beat the CIA, which is really still the top school kind of um, in the United States. The Le Cordon Bleu isn't around anymore, um, but at the time, it was it was a really good school. Mm-hmm. It also came with a lot of student loan debt as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so did did you really enjoy that experience? Can you tell us a bit more about? Oh my gosh! School? Yeah, I think. Um, I got really lucky with um, my instructors and the program when I went to school. Um, it was like 10 hours a day, five days a week, um, and it was it was intense. Like mm-hmm. they, they would send you home if your chef jacket was not perfectly ironed, if your neckerchief, wow. which is like this thing you had to, you know, you wear around your neck, if that wasn't perfectly ironed or worn perfectly, they really kind of set the the bar for what to expect in the industry because yeah. it is tough you know it is it is kind of brutal um and so i i feel like i got a great education i really did um and then eventually i ended up becoming a board member um for the lacordum blue here in scottsdale mm-hmm. so i was on the academic uh advisory board yeah, for them great. yeah now, obviously, uh, you know, they, they trained you in the culinary arts. Yeah. Uh, did they do any kind of education for 
those that wanted to start their own business? Was there any kind of business training or was that kind of left up to each individual on the direction they wanted to go in the culinary world? You know, no, (laughs) they definitely did not. Um, And I think there was a lot of kind of false hope um, that was kind of instilled in a lot of the students. Um, You're going to be able to graduate and immediately start making $30 an hour, um, which wasn't the case, you know, by any means. So I actually, I think in my graduating class, um, myself and maybe one or two other people are actually still in the industry. Um, Because, you know, it is tough. You know, I think people realized that, you know what, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I want to climb that ladder. I don't know if I want to work this hard to do this for a living. It's one of the challenges with a a lot of specialty schools, like a medical school or a dental school. Mm -hmm. They train you in the the industry. You're a specialist, right? Then you come out and you're a doctor, but you're actually running a business. Or you're a dentist and you're actually running a business. Or you have your your culinary arts degree and you're actually running a business Mm -hmm. as much as you are cooking, right? So, Well, and I mean, you're, yeah, 100%. um, But on top of that, too, with with the understanding that you still have to start at the bottom. Right. You know, I mean, I know even when going to culinary school and I'd already kind of worked in the industry for four years leading up to going to culinary school, I got Uh a job while I was in school um, as the executive pastry chef um, for our cafeteria, um, which was actually like ranked number one in the United States as well, which was really a really cool experience. But I graduated making minimum wage. You know what I mean? I was, you know, I think we made like $6.20 an hour as the executive pastry chef. (laughs) Uh You know what I mean? Um, So kind of knowing that you got to pay your dues. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Industry experience is everything. So, So like when you graduate college, there are certain degrees that you need to get certain jobs. So in the culinary world, are there like requirements to have graduated from culinary school to have certain positions? Or is it more of just like an experience thing and it's recommended? I think um, back then, I say back then, like it, it was, it was a long, you know, it was 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, it, it didn't hurt me to have my degree, but it certainly didn't, it, it wasn't the deciding factor on if I was going to be able to get the job. Mm-hmm. Um, they, the, the industry really kind of looks at people like how much, how much experience do you have in the industry and how, how, how much drive do you have to do this? Yeah. And if you happen to have a culinary degree on top of it, great. It's gravy. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, did you ever want to like start up your own restaurant or something like that? Or were you just planning on working for someone? <laughs> I, if I were to ever do something, it would be, um, it would be a bakery for sure. Even hmm. though I've spent, um, I transitioned out of pastry um, a long time ago, and I ended up taking over for um, a catering company in Tempe. Um, and I was the executive chef, GM, kind of wore a lot of big hats um, and transitioned in the savory world. But pastry would still be my, that's still my passion. That's uh-huh. still my baby. Uh-huh. So if I were to ever do it, it would be a bakery. Um, or maybe like a breakfast restaurant that had like yeah. quiche or something that was still focused around, around dessert. Pastry, yeah. yeah. But if probably not, I really enjoy what I'm doing right now. Cool. So tell us about some of the, like your, or along your journey, some of the places that you've worked at and where you've been a chef at. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I've worked at bakeries. Um, my first kind of real job outside of culinary school, I worked at this bakery it was called Iverson's. And it was in Dearborn, Michigan. And the recipes there were like 100 years old. That really, that experience really taught me how to bake like large quantities. Um, I would have to be responsible for baking like 400 cakes at the exact same time. Do you know what I mean? Like put one in, take one out and and know exactly where everything was at in the oven. Um, I also learned how to, you know, decorate cakes and things like that there um i worked at a restaurant in michigan as well i i kind of was the front of house manager i also served and i made their desserts <laughs> on the side um and then when i moved out to arizona i worked at this little diner for about a year um and i was the pastry chef there um and we kind of focused on huge large quantities so i had like a 
a, a 20 apple pie that stood like 10 inches on a plate. Oh, um, wow. It was hmm. it was a cool place. It really was. It was kind of like a biker diner type uh-huh. place. Um, but summer hit and they couldn't last. So then I landed my job as the pastry chef at um, Artisan by Santa Barbara Catering Company in Tempe. Um, and then about a year and a half later, the executive chef um, asked me to take over. He said, I'm retiring and I want you to take my spot. And I was like, I don't know how to do this. I've only done pastry really or front of house stuff. And he was like, that's okay. I'll teach you everything you need to learn. Mm -hmm. And he gave the owner two years, a two year notice. And so we spent a year, well, we spent two years training together, but the first year he was the chef, I was the sous chef. And then we flipped roles Mm -hmm. in that second year. Um, But it was, you know, 20 hours a day, seven days a week, trying to take everything that man had in his head and put it into mine. Uh-huh. And he's like classically trained in Europe. Yeah, yeah. You know, he wow. went to culinary school for eight years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was intense. Um, but then I took over as executive chef. Um, I spent six years in that role. And I also kind of took over as like GM um, and as their consulting chef as well. Um, and during that time, um, I focused on sales and, you know, I helped with the staffing director. I oversaw like the operations department. So a lot of different roles, um, in that position, which allowed me, um, kind of the tools and the experience necessary to be able to do what I do now. Um, and then I, you know, I decided one day, I think, you know, I'm thinking I'm ready for that next chapter. So I gave the owner 18 months, uh, an 18-month notice, and I said, I'll set you up. I promise I'll get you everybody you need to be successful. And I trained my replacements, and it actually only took 10 months to do, which was really cool. Um, And then during that time, I also started building my business. So I was working 80 hours a week and building a business at the same time. Wow. Yeah. Is that pretty common to give such a long lead time notice in this culinary world? No, not at all. Um, it's just a respectful thing to do. It was, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful for that experience and I had so, you know, so much respect for, for, um, for the owner, Pat and, and that, that business. And, and, you know, I worked with these people every single day. They were family and to walk away and, and not know that they were going to be okay was just never an option for me. Um, so that was that was my choice. Plus, the you know the previous chef had also done that, and I and I saw how well it worked. So yeah, that's cool. Um, I think that also gives some good insight, you know, on for the entrepreneurs listening on the business owner side, because like one of the scariest things about having employees is the thought of them just like quitting without any notice yeah. and, and leaving your business to yeah to chance. And so like how like that that aspect that you said that it was like family basically and you couldn't like live with yourself of, of just letting them go and and basically screwing them over so just as an employer treating your employees the right way and, and showing them that you care I think will really you know have a lot of say into how they handle because everyone's going to eventually move on and leave usually sure, and yeah. so you know however they handle that I think a lot of that comes down to how you treat them absolutely and um, I think too you know, it was really important for me to set the example for yeah. them, um, for my for my teams. You know, every single person in that company looked up to me, mm-hmm. and so by setting that example and letting them know, like this is this is what we're doing is special. What yeah. we're doing is really important. You know, we're we're catering. You know, weddings. That's the most important day in somebody's life, and it's important to have like that emotional attachment to what for you sure. do. Um, passion, drive, you know, purpose. Yeah. So, well, talk to us about, you know, you mentioned you were, you were training and you were also starting this new business. So where did, where did this business, this consulting business come from? You're in the culinary world, you know, one would expect that you're just going to, you know, either start your own restaurant or just continue to be a chef. So how did you kind of get into the consulting world? You know, I, um, I've always been, um, attracted to people. I, I love food, don't get me wrong, but that that's not what has ever gotten me up in the morning. It mm-hmm. was always my teams. It was always the people I was surrounded by. I really enjoy being in leadership roles and teaching people how to be leaders and teaching people how to build teams. Yeah. But 
I noticed something kind of, you know, along the way that this industry has this um, kind of ability to take over our lives. It has this ability to create massive amounts of burnout. Um, And I, you know, when I finally made my decision, I had just gotten married. And that year, three of my really good friends, um, they, they had failed marriages. And it was definitely a result of the industry. Mm. You know, here they were working so hard to provide for their family. And it ended up becoming that they had to sacrifice their family just to be able to support them. So it's kind of ironic. Right. Um, and I said, I want to do something about it. I, I cannot sit back and watch this happen any longer. Like these people, these are my people. Right. I don't want to see them suffering like this. And I certainly know the solution. You know, I had been able to build teams. I, you know, at one point I didn't even need to be in the kitchen ever. I always was, but I didn't need to, which, which was why I was allowed to, you know, kind of dive into operations and sales and, and staffing and all of these other areas because mm-hmm. I knew how to build a well-oiled machine. And it afforded me days off. I, I took a three-week honeymoon in Europe. I never, you know, I never checked in once. They were okay. And that's what I want to offer other people. I want to teach them the solutions and, and the tricks and, the, and, and what, what works so that this, this industry doesn't continue to take over people's lives. Yeah. Because, because it takes so much passion to do what we do, so much purpose and if burnout has come in and kind of taken over, you, you forget why you started doing it in the first place. Yeah. And then there's no drive to see the solution. I can't see it. I'm, you know, it's tunnel vision, right? Yeah. There, there's no, there isn't a solution. It's just what it is, you know, and, and then you throw in a pandemic and it makes it even worse, right? <laughs> um, and so I just kind of said one day, I, I'm going to do something and I don't know what it is. I thought about teaching. Um, and then I just kind of started Googling around consulting, coaching. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Is this a business? Can you do it? I didn't even really know much about it. I actually hated the word consulting. <laughs> I really hated it. And I still have a hard time with it sometimes because I never wanted to be somebody who pointed at a problem and then turned around and walked away. Like that's not what I want to do. Yeah. And so I decided that I was going to take the definition of what consulting was and make my own version of it Hmm. so really what I do I mean 90% is consulting here's the list of issues here's a list of problems or potential problems and then I spend 90 did I say 90% okay I meant 10% is consulting (laughs) I'm sorry (laughs) 10% is consulting and then I spend the next 90% coaching them through the solution Hmm. Um, I'm very hands-on in what I do and that that actually results in you know solutions in achieving the goals um, you know, I want to help the industry, mm-hmm. not not pocket as much money as right. I possibly can. Yeah. So. Before we go into that consulting thing, I want to go back to a few things you said about leading teams and leading people. Yeah. The people were your passion, mm-hmm. the reason why you did what you did. Um, in the beginning, you mentioned that your school created a high standard of, mm-hmm. of excellence, yeah. n- probably nearing perfection, right? Um a leader that's a perfectionist can have a very negative impact on their people. It can really squash the creativity. It can squash the, the, the human spirit. It can, um, you know, tendencies to micromanage and, you know, this is the way you do it and this is the only way you do it and this is, this is my way. And, and then that just kind of kills the, 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 the life yeah. out of the team. So would love to hear you kind of talk about how you – how you inspired excellence, how you inspired that, um, the right way to do it without squashing the human spirit and, and letting them still create and do things their way as long as, you know, you, yeah. you delivered on, a, on an excellent result. Well, I think you start by saying things like, You're, I need you to do it my way first. Once you've figured out and you've perfected and mastered my way, which I know is you know, I know works, I know it's proven, then I want to see your your ideas come through. Now, part of being a leader and part of, you know, how it how I've been able to be really successful in that role is that I've never been scared to say the hard. 
you have to say the hard. I have to say, I'm sorry, that that's burnt. You have to throw that out mm-hmm. and start over. And I know you just spent the last two days on it. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to now show you how to do it. Okay? We're going to do this together. That's how you don't kill that. Right? It's when you when you say throw it out, start over, and you walk away. Yeah. They obviously made a mistake because they just don't know. And I think that's where we forget. We, we forget along the way that they should just know it. They should just understand it. The truth is, if they did, they'd have your job. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't, right? So when when mistakes happen, you, you have to be honest about it, for sure. Say the hard that nobody wants to hear, but always provide the solution and then offer to be hands-on through that solution. That That's really where you start to build teams and trust, because trust is so important, especially when people are sacrificing so much right. in their life. They have to trust you just as much as you have to be able to trust them. Yeah. No, I love it. Like just, just not only um, pointing out what the mistake, but being able to build them up afterwards. I think yeah. it helps people know that you're doing it because you care and you're not just there to tear them down and point out all the bad things. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, explaining to them why this is not acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Things like, um, you know, that bride is paying $100 a person. You know, do you have $100, an extra $100? Okay, now times that by 50, 80, 100 people. Mm-hmm. They're spending a lot of money on this. And would you pay for that if you went out? Now, you know, managing is all about really reading people as well. You know, there's certain individuals like, um, you know, one of my girls, she wants me to be very direct with her. You know, that's garbage. Throw it out. Start over. She got, got it, chef. No problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Then I've had other um, employees who are more sensitive or more emotional. Yeah. So you have to kind of, you know, adjust how you say things. Depending on the person. Depending yeah. on the person. Read that person because that's how you learn how to motivate them. That's how you learn how to um, talk to them in ways that it that it makes sense. You know, that it's absorbable yeah. for them. Yeah. No, that's good because there isn't like a one size fits all. Like some no. people are more sensitive, like you said, and need more of, um, you know, more pick me ups. And there's mm-hmm. some people that just like they want it how it is. You can right. be more straightforward with them. How do you kind of like gauge a person and and know how to to interact with them? I think for me it was a a born gift, or <laughs> maybe I, I watched my dad do it for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he's that type of person where you know people could be like in the industry he works in people can be so mad at him right and and you wrote me this ticket why did you write me this ticket you know blah 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 screaming (laughs) and i swear to god two seconds later they're like we would love it if you could come to our kid's birthday party this weekend thanks so much we love you he just he has that ability to kind of see people and i think i watched that but for somebody who who doesn't have it 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 didn't come naturally or they Mm -hmm. weren't born with that you just you talk to people Ask them, ask them flat out, what motivates you? How can I help you? What are your goals? What is it about this that, that makes you excited? What, what kind of recipes do you want to learn? We used to do things like, hey, you know, if you get all of your, your stuff done right, if, if, you can, if you can, you know, accomplish your, your prep list today um, and, and everything's correct and everything's accurate, then um, I'll spend, you know, tomorrow with you for a couple hours and we can practice and I can show you how to make any recipe you've ever wanted. So it's, it's giving them like the opportunity to grow, you know? Hmm. Love, That's it. Cool. Yeah. Love it. Love uh, it. You know, you mentioned also earlier that uh, you were able to build your team in a way where you could walk away. Uh-huh. You didn't have to be in the kitchen. Right. You know, in any relationship, that's the sweet spot. I love you, but I don't need you. Right. Right. Uh, and in in building incredible teams, Jim Collins points out that you have great leaders, and then you have the most elite leaders. And and the thing that makes the most elite leader mm-hmm. is that long after you're gone your team continues to succeed, Yeah. right? The, you have really good leaders, and when they leave, performance drops. Your most elite leaders, the level five leader that Jim Collins talks about, that yeah. team leaders continues who can to build soar, leaders. right? Yeah. Because you, you've invested yeah. in the people, you've, you've, you've uh, empowered them, and then they continue to do great things long after you're gone. You know, I, uh, I always told, you know, Pat, the owner, I said, I promise you that I will always be able to get hit by a bus tomorrow. You know, figuratively speaking, obviously, I promise that for you because I watched and and 
the previous executive chef is still one of my best friends. I talk to him five times a week. Mm-hmm. But what he didn't do was that for her. Mm-hmm. And he ha- he was the first one there, the last one to leave. He was, you know, nothing. He he would never um, give up control over anything ever. And you know what it did? It left it left all of us at a level that that we wouldn't that we couldn't perform at. Had I not been the person I was, I would not have been successful. But I was driven to to do that. It also came with me having to kind of learn my job by myself. You know, I spent twenty hours a day there after he left learning my job and I was like this is ridiculous we're not doing this anymore we're just not when I started training my replacements my goal too which I don't think a lot of leaders think about my goal was to make sure that they were better than me mm-hmm. and they were and they still are the teams that they then built were better than the teams that I built you know what I mean because we we were I was able to also acknowledge my mistakes along the way, hmm. you know, and and they were able to see those mistakes or, you know, I was able to say to them, OK, this was something I shouldn't have done. Don't do that. You know, it sounds like you just got to leave your ego at the door. Yeah. Leave it at the door. I, we don't have time for it. We really don't. It's not good for anybody, you know, um, very proud of them. They're they're running their own businesses now and, you know what they're accomplishing is it's it's amazing yeah so yeah i know i think that takes a lot of humility to to want them to be better than you because i think there's a a pride aspect that can want you to as when you're in a leadership position to think to want them to think like you know everything that they have is because of me and i'm still like the alpha dog i'm still better than them or even to want to think like you mentioned earlier like once i leave like you guys will fall apart i'm the reason that you guys are succeeding but to to like you said leave your ego and check it at the door and want them to to be better than you and to continue to succeed after you're gone. I think that's true, true leadership. Um, you obviously learned all about cooking at, at culinary school, but where did you pick up all, all of this um, information on leadership? Uh, it was experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not a reader. Really. I'm not. Um, the only books I've ever read probably are, you know, um, they come with directions and, and pictures on how to create the dish. <laughs> um, it, it was all experience. But, you know, it's funny is, you know, launching a leadership revolution um, and that level five, you know, leaders building leaders. That's probably, you know, one of my absolute favorite um, books that I that I have actually read since I've started my consulting business. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it was just it was one of those things that I always knew I was just really passionate about. Yeah. Um, and so I started trying to put to words what it is that I was doing that was working. Um, and so like, I've even created like a leader method that I'm teaching other people on, on how you can kind of break it down into steps. Um, and, and I'd be happy to share it with you guys if you want. Yeah, yeah. So I, I've spelled it out so that it, it spells leader. Um, and the first one is to learn. Um, you need to learn your people, you need to learn your product, learn, learn your message, learn what motivates the next one is example um and it's really important to always be the example you're not the exception to the rule um the next one is accountability and this one by far especially in my consulting business now this is the one that stops people in their tracks they have a hard time getting past this step because holding people accountable often can feel like micromanaging like you mentioned earlier Micromanaging um, kind of has, I think people have an opinion of what it is, but they don't necessarily know what it is, you know, so it could be, you know, a lot of times they think it's hovering, right? But here's the thing, if you have somebody who's never had a job a day in their life, you need to hover, you need to stand next to them Mm -hmm. because they don't know better. So um, accountability, saying the hard correcting but being accountable for yourself as well yeah have i given them the tools to be successful what what could i have done better um next one is d (laughs) um and that is for um direction not to be confused with directions which basically tells somebody how to do something direction um tells somebody how to do something but it also explains why I need you to put this on the bottom shelf. 
Why? Because it contains raw eggs and that's why it needs to go on the bottom shelf, right? There's an explanation that allows people to now think logically about a situation. Um, and then you go into empower, you know, the, that, that's the place where you can start empowering your teams because you've given them the tools, you've explained the why, they can understand it, they can make decisions. And then the last one is responsibility. And at this point, you know, if you've gone through all of these steps, um, you should be in a position where your team is ready to take on more responsibility, which should come with a pay increase, maybe a different title. You know, it's it's one thing to be empowered to make one decision, but it's it's a, it's a whole other thing to feel responsible to make many. Yeah. But if you've gone through all of that, you can get there, and that's what allows me to take a three week, you know, vacation in <laughs> Europe. Right. <laughs> Love it. What a powerful list, and uh, and yeah, I love that. And we could talk for days and hours about each yeah. each one of those words. They mean so much. One of the challenges in leadership development that I personally found is people want a silver bullet, <clears throat> they want a quick fix, and mm-hmm. uh, they want a recipe. Yeah. I just let me just follow A B C D, and mm-hmm. I put it in the oven, and boom, out comes I'm a leader, right? right. And that's not how it is. There's so much. Uh, there's not a recipe if you will. And and the thing that I love about the words that you just shared is they are guiding principles, universal principles that can direct behavior. And there's an art to it as well. Mm -hmm. Right. And each one of those words has, you know, their, you know, their meaning, but it also has the art to it. And, uh, and I just love that list that you put together. Thank you. Thank you. Do you spend more time cleaning your pool than you spend swimming in it Then call Flamingo pools today? Flamingo Pools is your go-to swimming pool maintenance and repair company in the East Valley. Whether it's weekly maintenance, repairs, green to cleans, or one-time cleanings, Flamingo Pools will take care of you. Honest, reliable, and innovative. Just a few of the many good things Flamingo Pools customers have to say about them. Ask them about their mineral treatment, which will keep your chemical levels down, allowing you to have a healthier bathing experience. At Flamingo Pools, they know that your pool was made to be enjoyed, so let them handle the rest. Check them out at azflamingopools.com or give them a call at 480-422-6013. Mention this podcast and you'll get your first month of maintenance completely free. That's azflamingopools.com and 480-422-6013. It sounds like these are things that really could apply to to anyone, any sort mm-hmm. of human or business owner, or no matter what you're doing in life, like you could really learn a lot from, from those principles and the things that you're teaching. So why have you chosen to really focus on like the food and beverage industry it's, specifically? Well, it's funny that you say that. Um, obviously, it was a natural transition to, to go into the food and beverage industry. Yeah. And I am still very much heavily focused on this industry, uh-huh. um, especially due to, due to the pandemic. Yeah, um, They need support and they need it now. Um, but I'm, I am branching out into, yeah, into other industries. Um, you know, I, I, I love full service consulting and I'll continue to, to do that, um, in my industry because Mm -hmm. I know it, right. I can teach you food costs, labor costs, recipes, leadership, team development, management, that that's probably my biggest passion and why I want to start sharing it with other industries. Definitely. Cool. Yeah. So I'm assuming you saw, because there's the two aspects of it. There's the leadership aspect, and then like you mentioned, the culinary aspects, so you're able to help them there. But I'm, I'm assuming you saw so much you know, um, impact on these people after they learned about uh, teamwork and leadership yeah. that you're like, you know, I could, I could help more than just the food and beverage yeah. industry. Like everyone can, can improve from this sort of thing. I, uh, I actually just had a conversation with one of my clients because we, you know, we, we're, we're not done together, but I'm definitely like, you know, I'm not there all the time yeah. anymore, which is how it should be. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just asked him flat out, I said, you know, if you could give me a few, um, pieces of feedback, yeah. you know, what is it that you feel like I've done for you? And, and what is it that was different than maybe other consultants? Cause they have had other consultants. Mm-hmm. He said, I've never seen anybody be able to corral a team the, the way that you have. We have never gotten this far, and it 100% is because you're able to kind of motivate us. You, you come in and, and you show us the way. You're, you're there. You're part of this team. He's like, you're the driver. And that, that was what kind of went, uh-huh, light bulb, got it. You know, I, I knew it. But it's, you know, do you branch out into other industries? Right, yeah. it, it can be kind of scary. 
Um, but I also know I'm an expert at it. Right. And another friend of mine said, you know, Rebecca, it's it's the same thing. It's just different inventory. Yeah. And I was like, oh, gosh, that should be a that's t-shirt. A, that's a great, yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing, just different inventory. That's great. Now, forgive my ignorance. <clears throat> I don't watch much TV, but if, uh, if my family has... Uh, restaurant impossible on I'm, i'll watch mm-hmm. it you know chef robert irvine yeah um how similar is what you do to what uh, chef robert irvine does because the thing that i love about him is lots of times the recipes are off lots of times the decor is off but every time there are relationship issues yeah. that are the real driving force behind the restaurant failing mm-hmm. right so talk to us you know I, and, and also for our listening audience, you know, how, how similar is what you do to what uh, you would see on Restaurant Impossible? It's very similar. And I don't actually watch a lot of TV either. Um, and so, you know, when you, you know, cooking shows and things like that, like I, I, I know them, mm-hmm. obviously. But um, like I said, a lot of what I learn is through experience. Um, it is very, very similar. Um, a lot of times when I'm taking on clients, the first three to four weeks of us working together is really about breaking down kind of emotional barriers, getting down to, you know, the nitty gritty of, do you want to continue doing this? Is this still your passion? Are you ready for a succession plan? Right. What, what's, what's the goal here? Let's talk about why, you you know, why you and your, your brother are not getting along, you know, and, 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 and let's get all on the same page. Are we ready to fight for this business or not? And anybody who isn't, there's the door. And that's how simple it has to be. I actually have people sign like a, it's not a contract because it can't be, it's not legally binding, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a piece of paper that says I'm ready to leave my ego at the door and I'm ready to fight for this business. And then I sign it as well. So that we're all on the same page there. It's, it's a commitment. It's, oh yeah, it mm-hmm. has to be a commitment, but yeah. it's, it's very similar. We go in and we do, you know, we look at the recipes. A lot of times I perform a health inspection pretty much right away because I believe that everything starts with soap. Um, if you don't care about your facility and it, and it shows by, you know, um, lack of maintenance or um, procedures and sanitation, um, safety and sanitation procedures that are not, not in place, then we can't, we can't grow. We have to get the we have to get the the soap right first, you know. Yeah, yeah. So are we gonna see a camera crew following you around anytime soon? I mean, <laughs> I'd be okay with it. It's so funny because I I really was always a chef that before you know I started my business that led from behind the scenes. You know, yeah. Pat always wanted me to be like the face. Come on, be the face, be the face, get out there. And I was like, Nah, I'm good. I'm totally good. Now I kind of wish I would have mm-hmm. because it probably would have helped me in building my business, especially with having to do, you know, Facebook lives and videos yep. constantly yep. and things. I'm a lot more comfortable now. So right, right. yeah. I mean if the opportunity came, I I'd be for it for sure. <laughs> That's cool. So tell me about the the restaurant industry from the people that we've talked to on the podcast and just other people I've met and, and like there's, there's burnout in every industry, but it seems like in the restaurant industry, like you said, it can really take over your life and that happens to so many people. It, what do you think it is about this industry that it can just be so overwhelming for people? Well, I mean, there's always a fire that has to get put out, yeah. right? Um, I think, you know, I was really kind of trying to focus in on this last week. It's so mm-hmm. funny and, and, and put together something. I think because the expectation of the food and beverage industry is so high and it's so transparent, like if you think about it, both of you guys could probably name five different positions in a restaurant in the restaurant industry and know exactly what their responsibilities are for those positions. Yeah. Could you do that for a clothing store? Could you do that for um, a mattress store? Could you do that for other industries? Probably not. We as consumers know so much about the industry that we're able to see through. I can see that that server just got triple sat. That's why she's behind. Must be lack of management. Oh, they must have changed the chef. I can tell because the recipe is different. There's so much about it that we as consumers, Mm. because we, we eat out all the time, right? Food is a necessity that we can see through it, which creates the level of expectation so high. Oftentimes the pay doesn't come with it though. What we're expecting of our employees, it's not... We're expecting them to perform like doctors and lawyers, but at 
you know, an eighth of the pay, right? (laughs) Right. And you get what you pay for. Right. So it's very difficult. Um, And so that's where it's really, really super important that we focus on leadership. We focused on our teams because that's what's going to set us apart. I mean, at the end of the day, you could have the best taco recipe on the face of the planet. But if, you know, the person doesn't know how to order in, and, and the ground beef never comes in and the server can't sell it and the line cooks can't get it off the line, it doesn't matter how great your recipe is. That's cool. Do you, when you're working with someone, do you focus a lot on like their recipes and their revenue and their profit and things like that? Or is it, is it that along with the leadership or do you just focus on the leadership and then that will come because of, of what they learn? No. Yeah. We definitely dive in all, into all of that for sure. Um, you know, plate presentation. Yeah. Um, I've, you know, I, I just got done working with a client where I was like, we got to get rid of all these plates and get new ones in. And they did. And you, now they're able to sell their product for, for even more because it looks better. Yeah. Um, you know, high, you know, teaching them techniques to incorporate, um, just an elevated, um, an, an elevated product, you know, like let's, let me show you how to make your own, you know, beef stock instead of buying base or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, so yeah, definitely that I, I look at all of their costs too. Like, you know, you're, you're not charging enough for this or you're charging enough, but nobody's going to pay for it. We have to look at perceived value as well. Right. Um, and things like that. So maybe it's because the portion's too big. If we, sh- you know, just, yep. yeah, yeah, there's so many things for sure. So from my experience, and I, and I love you bring up that, you know, we're all experts because we all eat and we all go out to eat. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so there is a, a, a level of visibility that we do have into the food and, and beverage industry. So uh, my own personal experience is uh, I'm not going to go back to a restaurant if my experience there is right. negative. Yeah. Right. And so... Uh, you mentioned that you know we need to get rid of these plates. We need to improve the plating. We need to improve mm-hmm. the recipe, etc. How do you get customers back? Mm. You know, when when they have provide a, a below average experience for a certain period of time, I imagine that most consumers are like me that okay, we'll go find another restaurant that yep. has great food, that has great service. How do you how do you get the customers back? How do you let people know that hey, uh, other than putting out a sign, new management or whatever, but Hey, we've got a new experience to provide you. Marketing. Yeah. I mean, if if there's, you know, two areas that, you know, any business right now should not be um, giving up due to finances. I mean, marketing's at the top of that list. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, people are not going to know about you if you don't let them know about you. Yeah. Right. So um, I definitely you know, spend a lot of time looking at their social media presence. Um, are they prepared to, you know, go on to lives? Do they, you know, are they offering deals and specials to kind of bring people back? Like, Hey, we'd love if you came back, you know, give us a try again. If they have an email marketing list, that's a great way to kind of get the the information out as well. Mm -hmm. Although people are, you know, we know about email marketing lists now, (laughs) right? Um, but yeah, I mean, Social media, marketing, you know, making sure that, you know, their their website looks really good. I mean, they have to have a professional image because the competition is high. It is high. But also, you know, letting people know like, hey, we would appreciate it. So your current customers, right, that are there, we would really appreciate it if you, you know, tagged us on Instagram. If you took a picture and tagged us on Instagram and we'd love to, you know, buy your next round the next time you're in. Things like that, that, you know, are allowing word of mouth to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Tell us a bit about um, how the industry has been affected this last year with, with COVID. I think the restaurant industry has probably been hit more than, than anyone else. Really. else yeah. 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 So talk to us about, you know, how you've helped people to pivot, what some of the struggles have been, what you guys have done to, to grow during this time period as well. Um, it's a... It's been a constant battle and and challenge for sure. Um, The one thing that I try to really explain to my clients and and, um, let them know is that everything is always figure outable. Okay. So if you can make it through 30 tickets deep on a Friday night with one person on your line, we can make it through this. Okay. So if to goes are doing really well for you, let's focus on putting together a very good to-go program. And what do I mean by that? I mean, making sure that we're not making mistakes. 
Okay. I'm sure you guys have ordered food during the pandemic and half of it was missing over the last, you know, couple of months, <laughs> right? Almost every single time. Yeah. Okay. I focus on that. This is the business that's coming in. So let's make sure it's perfect every single time. Okay. Now let's talk about subscription meals. That's huge, right? If you have the, the, the capability because you're not serving 50% of your customers in your dine-in right now, why can't we offer them a subscription meal? We would love to, you know, offer you four dinners a week. All you have to do is pop it in your oven. You know, there comes, it comes with directions um, and we'll take care of that for you. Or, you know, maybe it's lunches and lunches for your kids so that you don't have to think about it. You know, there's so many different ways to make money. You just have to go after them, right. right? And, you know, and I get it. Not everybody understands how to do that, which is why, you know, I, I come in and I, and I show them how, yeah, yeah. you know, pivoting. I mean, you just have to go with it. There's if, if, if people are making money right now, it's because they've pivoted their business. For sure. You know, Chick-fil-A still has a line out the door. <laughs> so does Dutch Brothers. There's a reason for that. Yeah. You know? And I, one of the biggest reasons is because they create a consistent customer experience every single time. So, you know, every time there's uh, a challenge, especially an economic challenge, <clears throat> just creates new opportunity. Mm-hmm. You have people that, uh, you know, create something out of nothing. You know, mm-hmm. in in those scenarios, do you see any trends in the restaurant industry? Uh, you've mentioned a few. Um, that have been successful you mentioned a few ideas like the subscription mills any other trends that you're seeing that uh, have really um, brought restaurant owners success during this pandemic um innovations well i think you know one thing i am seeing is a lot of businesses are partnering with one another Mm -hmm. um, which is great because now you have you have their following too right so i have clients that are like oh you you know um for instance like uh we want to do a paletta margarita. So let's, let's partner with, you know, the paletta company over here. We're going to offer the paletta margarita at our facility right now. And now we're, you know, we're, we're bringing the community together. Um, I think that that has been the coolest thing to watch during this time is everybody's just like, you know what, I'm throwing my hands up. We all need help. Let's just help each other out. Um, and, and it's and it's paying off and it's becoming really, really beneficial. There's also like the, you know, like the secret menus or um, that, that you can order like at Starbucks and things. So mm-hmm. I've launched like test kitchens with clients. Like this is a really cool way for people to know that there's, you know, it's, there's things that are always going to be changing. You can come in and try our test kitchen out. So stuff like that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. If one of our listeners is considering opening some kind of food service business, is uh, is there an opportunity right now? Oh. Just because you know it, it has been hammered so much, and, sure. and sadly, so many people have lost their livelihoods in this pandemic. Is it is it a good entry point for somebody who's always had the desire to be in this industry and just hasn't taken that step? Is this a good time? I think that it's always a good a good time. Mm-hmm. If you have the drive, you have the passion, um, you have the knowledge, or you have the finances to seek the knowledge, um, it's always a great time. I have one of my clients got laid off from her job. You know, right when the right when we went into lockdown, she came to me and she said, "I want to start my own bakery." I said, "Okay, let's do it." Middle of lockdown, started her mm-hmm. own bakery. She's at. Well, she's about to be at three different farmers markets. She sells wholesale. She sells at multiple um, coffee shops around um, in the East Valley as well. Um, she has continuous, you know, custom orders on top of that. She operates out of a commercial kitchen. I mean, the list goes on and on. She's she's literally on track to quadruple her sales next year. Wow, yeah. what a great story. Mm-hmm. Uh, following up on that question... Uh, the restaurant industry is known for a very high failure rate, Yeah. right? Uh, is there advice that you would give to somebody wanting to start a business in the restaurant industry to get off on the right foot, to be one of those, you know, ten, I don't know what the statistics are, if it's 10% or 20% are still in business five years later, but to be one of those successful ones that, that make it, is yeah. there a few things that you would share to that person that's listening that uh, is considering opening a restaurant? Um, invest in experts, (laughs) you know, like, I mean, and not, not even just me, but people who really understand this industry, 
I think a lot of people start a business in um, the restaurant industry because they're like, you know what? That's I've always thought it'd be cool to own a bar, right, or I don't. Yeah. I always thought it would be cool. I like eating eggs. Let's open a breakfast shop. <laughs> but they've never worked a day in their life in the industry. Right. So if you want to do this and you want to be successful, you should spend you know a month in a dish room, spend a month you know on on a line somewhere else, not not in not in your own place. Spend a month you know, following somebody around on how to order and what's it, what is it like to negotiate with vendors and what, what's a good vendor and how do you know if you have a good salesperson or not? And right. how do you set expectations with vendors? Mm-hmm. Um, spend time doing it because this industry is brutal. And if you don't know it like the back of your hand or you aren't willing to learn it like the back of your hand, you're just, you need to be an investor and that's it. Cool. That's great advice. Um, for, for your end of things, obviously you're helping your customers market to other customers, but for you, you're, you're more of a B2B, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, model. So what, what's the difference in terms of marketing and trying to, uh, uh, to reach, you know, your audience from a business perspective rather than a consumer perspective? Um, well, I mean, social media, LinkedIn's my Mm -hmm. best friend, um, Facebook, primarily over um, like Instagram and things like that because that's more business to business. Um, Honestly, a lot of it is, you know, it's, it's going out and letting people know, Hey, I I know what you're going through. Um, You you have to be able to formulate a connection with people Mm -hmm. to do what I do because it's so personal. It is so personal. Blood, sweat, and tears yeah. went into this. And yeah. if you can't look them in the eye and say, I have your back. I understand what you're going through. I'm going to be, I'm going to walk this walk with you. You're never going to get in. So for me, it's really focusing on creating relationships, um, letting them know that I'm there for them, offering free resources. Um, I have tons of free resources on my website and downloadables and things like that. I have a course that I'm launching that's, you know, um, coming in. It's it's four weeks long where I'm going to be able to do group coaching sessions twice a week um, live on top Excellent. of video trainings. Excellent. And, you know, I, I have it priced at $255. Or if they join my private Facebook group community, um, It takes another $100 off. So making sure that I am meeting them where they are because it's, it's tight right now. Every decision that they make has to be the, the best decision because there's no room. There is not room for Mm. failure right now. Yeah. So very affordable rates. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, I, I wanted to be a solution and I wanted to be able to, you know, kind of provide something um, of value to people who are literally just trying to get to the top of the water. They're drowning, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, give them, give them a little breath. Yeah. You know, how do you make sure to come off as genuine? Because anyone that started a business has just been flooded with, with people messaging or calling or emailing mm-hmm. them. Hey, like we can help your business grow, pay us this and we'll, we'll do this and this for your business. How do you make sure to come off? Not as you're a new business. I want your money, but I'm genuinely here to help you and I want to see you grow. Um, I think, for, you know, for me, I, I just am a genuine person. Um, and so that, that's something that I think people pick up on pretty, pretty instantly with me. Um, I, I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about boundaries. It's not, I, I'm not nickel and diming them. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's not, you want to, you want to call me at 6 PM because you're, you're, you're screwed and you're trying to figure out what to do. Call me, you know, I'm going to answer the phone. I'm not, and then I'm not going to charge you at, you know, like a, like a, a lawyer at, you know, a 10th of an hour percent, whatever it is, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? There has to be a place for that and boundaries are important too. But, yeah. um, I think, I think, you know, people, when, you know, they meet me and they, they just know they can, they can hear the passion kind of, you know, permeating off of my body. Um, and, and I just let them know that I let, I, I make sure to show them my vulnerable side too, that I've been where they are. I know what it's like, you know, when I got married, I, I didn't want to be one of those people who had failed marriages and I wasn't going to be, you know? Is your goal to continue to provide content and keep people as lifetime customers or is it more of, you know, I'm going to work with you for this amount of time and then you're going to be successful after that to go off on your own? 
Um, I hope that I don't have lifetime customers because if I do, I'm not doing my job. job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, my goal is always to, you know, let them fly. Yeah. Um, you know, and like I said, like I have a client right now that I I'm staying on for like a couple hours a week and, and that's only really because we're continuing to come up with, um, new specials and, you know, new, even more elevated recipes. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of taking them little bit at a time and and showing them okay so we we got here let me get you to here it's not all the time anymore they can fly they have all the tools they you know they don't need me you know in there all the time telling them what to do and bossing them around anymore you know um no the goal is always to just like i said i want you to be better than me right my Mm -hmm. goal is to make sure that my girls who replaced me you know were better than me and could fly without me and 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 they were so yeah awesome you ever had an experience where you were in a restaurant and, uh, and, you know, just as a customer and you just noticed things that were off uh, and you asked to speak to the owner or the chef or and, and they were willing to do that? And is there a story that you might share with us? On this? Um, I feel like I've done that so many times. <laughs> Um, so it's hard for you to enjoy a restaurant experience then? <laughs> I'm always, you know, I, I'm always watching. And you know what? Us in this industry, that's probably, if you ask anybody, they're always like, uh, okay, that bus tub needs to go to the back. Are they down a dishwasher? You think about these things, right? right? Um, I've actually been in situations where um, I was out at a bar and it was for like a football Thursday night or something. And I'm not a sports person, so I didn't care. And I'm looking around and this poor server is swamped right you can tell that probably two people called off that night she's got an entire patio to herself and she she can't bus any of these tables and so I got up and just started busting all the tables for her and I just said listen I can take the orders I don't know your PS or POS system um I can take the orders I'll 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 write them down I'll hand them to you and all you have to do is put them in okay And and I'll deliver them for you let's let's get you out of the weeds here and she just looked at me she's like okay okay and and it was really cool because the owner was like, why did you do that? And I was like, because I know I know what it's like. I've been there. You know what I mean? And you guys just, you got to, you know, you needed help. Um, so if I do, I, I try not to hit people when they're down um, too. It's not like I'm, I'm always like, can I speak to a manager? I don't mm. want to talk to you about this right now. They're right. in the weeds. That's why they're messing up. So if I do reach out, it's genuinely later on. Um, but I'll always kind of offer to to help if I feel like I could, you know. That's so cool. I think that story really shows um, your mindset and your ability to make a difference through, you know, just you mentioned genuine people can feel it off you. Um, I love that story. Thanks. I, I love that story that you just got up and just started helping <laughs> that server, uh, that service. That's leadership. That's making a difference, and uh, that's inspiring. Well, thank you. That's inspiring. Thank you for sharing that. Well, I don't want to close up without just giving our listeners just a bit more of an of an insight of what they could expect if they were to to take you on as a consultant because like you said you're you're gonna branch out into other industries too right Mm -hmm. so i don't know maybe for someone in the the food and beverage industry or with any business like what's kind of like the timeline when you sign up is there like an initial audit and then you mentioned a facebook group like what all do they get from from hiring you on as a consultant yeah so i mean just like um any other consultant i would go in and kind of do an an initial assessment um it also just comes down to too where are they at what can they afford i i've worked with clients where i'm like let's just put this together in pieces as it comes so we can you know tackle just this one area you just need new job descriptions sops i can help you with that and then when you know when things get a little bit easier then i can come back and work one-on-one i have clients that i do just projects with um that that's all they want that's all they need look at my menu tell me if it sounds good got it no problem and then i have clients where i'm in there 40 hours a week that's my big you know big baby for for the next six months um, so it really just kind of depends on where they're at and what my recommendations are and, 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 you know, how freed up they are to be able to, to implement these things. Because like I said, I'm really only looking for solutions, which means they have to be in a position to be able to implement them. Um, so yeah, like, you know, that's, that's kind of the basis of how it gets started. Um, 
I also do um, like leadership talks in my private Facebook group where I'll bring on like industry experts and things like that. So it's a place for people to kind of um, get information. My YouTube channel has tons of different videos okay. and things like that for them to to listen into. A lot of it's more um, personal. It's not going to be like your top 10, five lists of this or that. It's really me, ex- you know, kind of sharing experiences and stories, much like we're doing right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean... It, it kind of goes all over the, the place. I also have coaching programs. So where, you know, you want to work with me for three months and we, we can do it virtually and, and, I'll, and I'll coach you, um, you know, a couple times a week. And, and here's kind of a, a program outline of what, what to expect um, during the next three months together. So, yeah. So it can be really customizable depending on the person, the business, kind of what their needs are at the yeah. time. And their finances too. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, you know, I, I really do understand where, where people are at right now. So. Yeah. Well, my follow-up to that is it sounds like that can keep you pretty busy. Like you said, you might be spending 40 hours a week with someone. You can only be in one place at a time. Do you want to expand and and maybe train someone and hire them to to help you out? Or do you see this as just being something that is going to be just you moving forward? Oh, yeah, I'll definitely... I'll definitely expand, but I also do that now as well. Okay. So um, if I'm involved in a big project or I feel like I need help with a big project, I'll bring on con- um, other consultants cool. Um, cool. that work for me. Like even my previous executive chef that trained me, he's done projects with oh, me awesome. um, where I'll just say, you tackle the back, I'll tackle the front um, kind of deal because he will not go out in the front. <laughs> he's made that very clear. Um, and then also I have obviously, you know, just tons of people in the industry that I've worked with over the years that are always kind of, you know, willing to come on and, and skilled and trained to be able to do so. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, that's really cool. Um, we're coming up on our hour here. I've got so much that we could continue to talk about, especially <laughs> just when it comes to leadership. And it sounds like you have so much knowledge and experience with that. Uh, so first off, thanks for everything you've shared there. Thank if you. you had one more, you know, piece of advice that you would give to our our listeners, maybe particularly about you know the leadership and teamwork and service aspect of of what you teach, what would you leave us with today? Well, my kind of tagline for my business is true success lies in the success of your team. Um, so knowing that, keeping that at the forefront of your mind, every person we employ has the ability to affect our bottom line every single person so now now let's say the phrase again true success lies in the success of our team right that's the that's by far the the biggest thing that i can i can really kind of leave people with like if you don't have the right people doing the right job for you it's time to make a change because you have to be ready to fight if you're going to make it through this pandemic so love it love it great advice Okay, well, Rebecca, before we close up here, we have a little game we're going to play with you. Okay. Um, so how it works is we've got a list of 20 questions, and we're just going to ask you back and forth rapid fire, and you have a minute to see how many of those questions you can answer. Oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we'll pull up the clock here. You're going to start us off in three, two, one. Your dream vacation. Spain. First thing you'd buy if you won a million dollars. An RV. Your favorite hobby. Sitting on my patio. If there was an Olympic competition for everyday activities, what activity would you have a good chance at winning a medal in? Swimming. A song you've been jamming to lately? Um, anything Michael Jackson. If you lived to be 100, would you rather have the mind or the body of your prime self? Mind. Your favorite holiday? Christmas. Uh, favorite ice cream flavor? Mint chocolate chip. Favorite fictional character? Bambi. Favorite smell? Roses. What's your nickname? Bert. Pet peeve. Liars. Your favorite restaurant? Bangkok 96. Uh, if you could switch places with someone for a day, who would it be? My dad. If you had to eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Hummus. Most ridiculous fact you know? I don't know any. Re- <laughs> 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 Nothing. Nothing. Um, let me see. Ridiculous. Ridiculous fact. Oh, a basking shark can open their mouth three feet wide. Did you really? know that? Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. <laughs> well, you know, the, the favorite restaurant you know, from an executive chef and a, and a consultant like yourself, I mean, that's probably saying a lot for that restaurant. You right? know, it's, it's a Thai restaurant in Michigan. 
Um, it's a. I was going to say, where is it? So I can go get yeah, some. Yeah, no, it's a hole in the wall. So okay. I got to go to. I got to go to Dearborn. Huh? Yep, you have to go to Dearborn. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. All right. It's what a, about in Arizona? What's your favorite restaurant here in the Valley, East Valley? Oh well, just because I'm plugging Serrano's Mexican restaurants. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll check it out. Um, yeah, like we said, Rebecca, thanks again for everything you shared with us. Definitely learned a lot, and I think it's going to be a great one for our audience to uh, listen to over and over and uh, learn a couple things about business and leadership. So really appreciate you coming on and, and you. sharing your advice with us. Thank you. Um, why don't you let our listeners know where they can find you online? Okay. Um, they can go to my website, takingthewheelconsulting.com. Um, I have YouTube. Um, I have a podcast, Taking the Wheel. They can go to, you know, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all Taking the Wheel Consulting. So I'm, I'm all over. Awesome. And then there's a free special offer if you go to the website, right? Can you oh, share yeah. that? If they, if they go to my website, they can uh, book a free consultation with me. We can kind of dive into some of the issues they might be experiencing. Or if they just need to vent for 50 minutes, I'm, <laughs> I'm good for that too. So. Awesome. Love it. Well, yeah, I really hope everyone takes advantage of that. I think you could learn a lot just from that, that short period of time. Um, thanks again. We really appreciate you having on. Thank and, you. Uh, it's been yeah. great. I we'll appreciate catch. it. Cool. All right. Well, have a good rest of your day and we'll catch you next week. You too. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Just a few things before we go. First off, just want to say a big thanks to our sponsor over at Shine Mobile Details. They're a locally owned auto detailing company that offers everything from interior details to ceramic coatings. Their mobile unit can come right to you or you can go to their shop. Check them out on Yelp, Facebook, and Instagram at Shine Mobile Details or call or text them at 480-529-3843 for a consultation or to book. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please take a few seconds to rate and review and hit that subscribe button. It lets us know how we're doing and helps us grow so we can reach more locals, entrepreneurs, and help small businesses grow. Thanks, guys.